Hey, this is episode 51 of Invite the Neighbors. Um, Mark Bosch from Stopwatch, as well as Social Meteor, was here. Well, he's actually on his way. Um, he's been on the podcast before when I did the first uh, live episode at um, Swordfest. We talked for like 15, 20 minutes. Um, Mark's a really good guy, smart kid. Um, always have good conversations with him. Excited for him to be on and talk about his two bands. Um, I got some shows Pat Ray wants me to announce coming up at his place. Um, February 4th, the standby, Koopa Kid, Map the Park, Bombastic Dream Pussy at Button and Bella's Music Box, which is the cutest name for a house that I've heard. Um, February 6th, an acoustic show with uh, Thank You, I'm Sorry, Ness Lake, Boyfrienders, and Something Missing, also at Pat's. Um, February 8th, is a ship and sale for Colin's birthday. So a ship and sale, Young Ritual, Holy Profane, Big Vic, In a Daydream, I'm doing a solo set, um, also at Pat's. And then at the Sanctuary on February 9th, uh, is Mover Shaker, Nice, Bombastic Dream Pussy, Boyfrienders, and Dogleg. So don't say I never did anything for you, Pat. Anyways, enjoy the episode, guys. Can I get that one more time? Hey, ho, holla. Oh, right, it's your good. boy. Holla, it's your boy. <laughs> Is that how you like? I've so I've never seen Stopwatch play. So I was like, is that how you start? Like, hey, uh, it's your boy Mark, and then you go into like, this mm. is Starless. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it, it, we do go into Starless. That's that's very convenient for having not seen us play. But uh, we uh, we definitely just start with a little bit of, hey hey guys, <laughs> I'm I'm Mark. This is the band. We're Stopwatch, and we're gonna play some songs for you, and I hope you enjoy it. Could everybody turn the other way? For a second, and just like, actually, that would be kind of preferable. How do you feel when you when you perform live? Do you feel nervous, or do you like? Oh, do you feel constantly. comfortable? Absolutely, constantly. Yeah. Like I, I'd say, once I lose myself in it, I don't have to worry about it as much. And the more I've practiced, like the songs we're actually playing live, mm-hmm. that definitely helps. But I don't know. Any time that I'm playing like a new venue or something, I'm always going to have butterflies, and I don't know if that's ever going to go away. Yeah, I think it's like. I don't know if you want it to really in a way like i think you kind of want to for me at least i think of like you know you want to maintain like if the butterflies ever go away i'd feel like i'd feel spoiled you know like i think i want to have more control than i do now over like my feelings my nerves and things like that it'd be nice to find a happy medium where like you know you're you're anxious and you're excited but you're confident also yeah you have to be able to operate with both yeah because I, otherwise, like, if you can't project some sort of confidence while you're playing, like, you're not going to be giving anyone a good time. No one's going to want to be involved. No one's going to want to be there seeing you. If you're just kind of, like, in your own head the entire time you're on stage, mm-hmm. like, that comes across every single time. Yeah, and that's that's me. Like, I've had, I remember I had one show at uh, New Way Bar in Ferndale where, for whatever reason, like, the stars aligned and it just clicked and I just felt so comfortable. Like, there's just a lot of people I knew and just a lot of people I didn't know. And it was just, like, a really good vibe overall. A good mix. Yeah. And, like, for somehow, like, I just I felt like the sound was good. I was just in it. And I was moving around all over the place. I don't know what happened for that to, like, feel so smooth to me. But, like, the banter was just flowing, you know? Yeah, I could see that. I wasn't drunk. I had maybe, like, <laughs> a drink, like, a half of, a, like, a whiskey. See, I, I think I think I drink like every single time I play at this point. I don't know. As as a vocalist, like at least like 
if you're playing a bar show, like a, like a beer or two, like before you go on, like if you got an hour to kill, it doesn't seem like too bad of an idea. Yeah, you you definitely have to like find the sweet spot because if you get too drunk, all of a sudden, even if you're not drunk by your standards, like if your reflexes are a little off now and if you're, you're like, too if you're too buzzed yeah too loose you yeah, know what i mean you don't want to be too loose if like, you're too loose you're going to be really confident when you should not be yeah and then that quickly evaporates when you realize you're not hitting all the notes you're supposed to be hitting and like the, the guitar parts you wrote aren't as easy anymore yeah you know or your tempo slags oh yeah that. definitely that happened to me one time when great neptune remember that band oh i remember great neptune. i think i saw you guys once <laughs> yeah uh we i drank a little bit too much at one of our club above shows and barely held it together and like i said i wasn't drunk drunk but i was good and buzzed and i was i <laughs> vowed then i'm like okay i'm never drinking more than a, a drink or two one drink or two beers before a show gotta, gotta stay in the blue as they say yeah yeah that's <laughs> actually kind of a interesting play on words because i just learned that blue comedy is like the most vulgar and like sexually explicit seriously I've yeah never, i've never heard it used in it's that an context. older term okay. like they used it you know way like way back in the day to describe it was more common then to describe like you know just I, honestly the type of comedy that's really prevalent now like you know you see it in movies like dick jokes and shit like that uh, yeah yeah but back in the day like before social media before like you know honestly like cable tv you know like you you didn't see that type of stuff as much like you had to be there in order to like experience an actual entertainer being vulgar like that yeah i guess so i mean i I wasn't there but you know (laughs) you read about it yeah you know us kids you know we really missed out on those good old days of dudes who were basically bill burr but just 50 of them every night in random local clubs yeah bill burr's kind of like how what's your opinion of bill burr he pushes it. He definitely pushes it. Yeah. I think... Are you like a big comedy fan? I used to be. I haven't kept up probably in the last decade or so. I remember being like in like a preteen and being mm-hmm. really, really into like watching, you know, Comedy Central Presents and, you know, random stand-up specials. But I've kind of like fallen off the comedy wagon as of late. Oh, okay. You see, like I, I've been on and off, but like in the last few years, I've just been super into it. I love comedy and... Bill Burr, like a lot of people say that he's one of, you know, like top three. They, they always mention like Bill Burr, Dave Chappelle as like, I'm talking about comedians saying like who the comedians think are the are the best. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting. I like hearing people's opinion on um, the more polarizing figures like Bill Burr, Dave Chappelle. It's ironic that they're listed, you know, among their peers as the best when they're kind of the most or tend to be the most controversial. They definitely tend to be controversial. <laughs> and I think like... In a way, it's important to find the line, you know, like to figure out like a lot. That's a lot of like what joke writing is, is like figuring out where the line is and then how much can you cross it and how. I agree with that. You know what I mean? And so like, I think there's a lot in Bill Burr specifically. I think there's a lot of like, you know, stubborn dad in him. Like there's definitely <laughs> cringy moments where as like someone who that's i mean that's going to be true though for any generation gap where you're going to look at the one before you and just be like ooh, you think that but then from their perspective it's like really 
You know what I mean? And like a guarantee that's going to happen for us. Oh yeah. We're definitely going to get to the point where, you know, no matter what happens, things are always going to be sliding along that spectrum Yeah, and we're just, we're always going to have our place in that. And you know, right now it feels like we're on one side of it and I'm sure as we get older, it'll feel like we're on right. the other side of it. And see, like we were, you were talking a little bit about before we started recording about how a lot of, a lot of people are just, they seem to be waiting for their chance to denounce something, you know? And I feel like, if people maintained more of a perspective of that awareness of yes, like this is our position on the scale now, but we're going to be like just a, a more awareness of how human nature works. I feel like we'd maybe be a little bit more forgiving. I think so too. You know, cause you realize people are just people even, you know, not, not to say that there aren't awful people, but a lot of times people just make mistakes. Well, yeah, It's a spectrum. And like, you know, there's, there's always going to be relative degrees of, you know, how bad one thing is versus how bad another thing is. And, yeah. you know, a lot of, there are going to be people who make like a mistake or two in their lives because people, yeah. it's what we do. We make mistakes. Yeah. No one's perfect. But, you know, there's definitely still a line to be drawn in the sand when it comes to, you know, like, like Burzum, don't listen to Burzum. Varg is a Nazi. Like you shouldn't, you shouldn't support right, that guy. Right, right, right. Like there's, de- there's definitely like the other end where there's like you know people that should not be forgiven realistically. Right. And you know, whenever you have like a true free speech, you're gonna have those things, but it's on the people to decide what gets the play. Oh yeah. You know. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I would, I would completely agree with that. Where do you uh? So, like, if you were to go and watch a comedy special now, like, who do you think you would gravitate towards? You know, it's it's been a hot minute since I've actually watched a stand-up special. I think it's been, like, almost two years. Uh, but the last one I can remember being, like, genuinely floored by, like, was a John Mulaney special. And I couldn't tell you which one it was. John but, like, you know, he he did a really good job of being funny while also, like, not needing to be just, like outlandish mm-hmm. like his his personality type seemed to be like you know it was outlandish in a way but it wasn't like yeah. aggressively outlandish and it yeah. wasn't like i'm gonna push this way because i yeah. want to push this way it was like his comedy was really well thought out and yeah. it felt like a lot of time went into his jokes and they didn't have to be ridiculously vulgar in order to make me laugh and feel like right. i was involved with a good experience he he's like one of those comics that i think um what's the word not caters to, but just like appeals, appeals to in a positive way, a sort of lowest common denominator, but in a, in a positive way, you know yeah, what I mean? He, like he's, he's taking the lowest common denominator and he's putting his spin on it. Yeah. It's like this fake sort of like arrogance that he kind of puts off, you know, he wears the suit and he's just like really snarky about things. Like I'm not a huge John Mulaney fan, but like I understand his, why he's so famous. Yeah. I know? mean, I'm also far less into comedy than you. So if I'm going to yeah. be like into a comic, I might be more apt to like the least common denominator guy. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes, that makes sense. sense. I was going to say Colin's a big John Mulaney fan too. Makes sense. Colin doesn't really have any of his own views, you know? Colin just like will Google search most famous comedian and then he'll be like, Oh, that's my favorite comedian. That's I'm just fucking around. I love yeah. Colin. I haven't seen the guy in a while. I haven't I've been out of I've been out of the loop for a while in the music scene at least. I haven't been to nearly as many shows as I had been like during the early stage of twenty nineteen. I I've just kind of been out of it. Do I haven't you think seen there's him. like any particular reason? <sighs> well, I mean, if I'm gonna be completely honest, like when I got into the music scene with Stopwatch originally, like I was a dumb U of M kid who was like, I'm going to put my band out there and we're going to be great, you know, because, you know, we're, you know, we're doing it. And I was, 
I definitely got, you know, in way over my head, like way too quickly. And, uh, I don't know. I was definitely clout chasing for like a long time in the music scene. Mm. And that was like, it's something I wasn't self-aware of for like way too long. But, you know, I've been, I've been told that that happens to like the best of us when like, you know, we get into the, like a new scene. It's just kind of like what people do, I guess. Yeah. But, and, but like, I, I started to notice that like I was doing it really, really, really bad in some like the worst ways and the most like annoying ways and got frustrated with myself. And like, I kind of told myself like, I needed to take like some kind of break from it after a little while. Uh, for one, like stop. I initially thought stopwatch was coming to an end because oh. um, uh, for a time I was going to be like the only original member who was left in the project because mm. um, all three of the other guys um, who I started the band with were going to be moving away. And oh, so sucks. I thought it was either going to be coming to an end um, or I was going to take a bunch of time off of it and like figure some stuff out and come back to it. Then I joined Social Meteor, um, a band I'm in with um, four incredibly talented musicians that like I... Are they all U of M guys? Um, I think... No, actually, none of them went to U of M. Oh, really? Um, yeah, two of, them, two of them went to Eastern. One of them is currently going to Eastern. Okay. Uh, and then the other two went to Western. Oh. Um, but I'm very, very fortunate to be in that band. Those guys are all super talented. And I'm really happy to be working with like a great set of musicians. But... Uh, I joined that band and it, it really got me back into like why I started making music, why I started like learning how to actually play instruments and not like just the like, joy of it. Sort yeah, of. it got me back into why I started to do it in the first place. And uh, since I did that, I had been playing with a brand new group of musicians uh, in Stopwatch. But then Austin Broda, who originally played bass for us, uh, has come back and joined in on guitar now. And uh, it's like it's a different band. We're writing different music. Um, the new stuff it definitely has some of like the first EP in it, but it's, it's developing, you know, just like when, everyone does. When the band started, was it like you and friends being collaborative or was it like you had songs that you wanted to play and then they kind of wrote parts for them or how did, what was the, the composition? So what I can say about stopwatch starting was it was originally a project between me and a guy named Jake Xcorn. Jake Xcorn was okay. the original keyboard player. Uh, Jake and I met in a college philosophy class and like immediately nice. hit it off, became like super close friends, you know, started, you know, talking about everything we believed in, you know. Uh, it was like yeah. I, it was like I'd found like, you know, like a another version of me. Yeah. And it was like really cool. And then, you know, we went on, we realized that we needed to start making music together. We started writing songs and uh, a bunch of the first stuff we wrote, it was like me and him like co-writing like mm -hmm. everything that we did and it was cool like uh the song starless him and i co-wrote uh the song more him and i co-wrote um and those were like the first two songs we ever had done uh we recruited a drummer then and he wrote all of his own parts because he was incredibly talented <laughs> right and that right, was right. like it's 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 can, i know you work with an incredibly talented drummer in yeah. your band too so it's like it's convenient to have someone who's able to do all of that on their own yeah especially i can't play drums for shit yeah but uh, as stopwatch went on i started uh i started writing alone more the other guys um were in class and i had been taking time off of school because i couldn't like figure out what i actually was in school for yeah you know we talked about that briefly at Swordfest. Yeah, really? Yeah, we did. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, geez. Oh, gee, that was a while ago. Yeah, you were actually on the podcast before. I don't know if you even remember. I do remember. That <laughs> yeah. was that was very, very brief. Yeah, it was like 10, 15 minutes maybe. Mm -hmm. It was probably the longest conversation I had that day. Well, it's because you and I tend to have good conversations. Yeah, yeah. And then me and Kevin, oh, just a quick aside, me and Kevin, like, uh, he came up and started doing a conversation with me, and it was really funny, and we were going back and forth, but then I realized 
that his mic wasn't on the entire time. So then we tried to stop and recreate the entire. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so what you hear between me and Kevin Rice on that episode from Swordfest is like the second take of us trying to be natural. <laughs> it was it was weird. Okay. But yeah, sorry. Uh, you were taking time off of school because you couldn't figure out like why you wanted to be there, basically. Yeah, I was taking time off of school. So I had way more free time than the entire rest of the band. Um, and that that put me in a position where I just by default ended up becoming the primary songwriter yeah and we started to notice as a band at least this is my take on it it seemed like we started to notice as a band that people were responding really well to what i was writing if they were responding to any of the stuff we were writing as a band and that that felt nice and so uh we rendezvous half moon and laying claim the other three songs off of our first ep are songs i don't want to say i wrote like I wrote the lyrics. I wrote my parts, you know, yeah. but like they're, they're songs. The skeleton. Yeah. I, I brought it. I brought those to the band. Yeah. And so I, I was at a point where I was at a point with stopwatch toward the end of it where I kind of felt like you know, I was doing a lot of work and like mm-hmm. I understood why like the other guys didn't have time to, you know, they were all trying to graduate college and stuff while I was, yeah. you know, you know, just on, pretty much only doing music and working. Um, but I got to a point with it where it was like, I don't know like how much of this I can be doing in like a full-time band if I'm the only one that's like bringing songs to the table. Right. And that, that like, that like threw me off of my, off of my cycle. That definitely threw me off of my cycle. Just like you feeling that way. Yeah. I think like this could be like a band therapy session. Sometimes the podcast is that, but uh, like <laughs> oh, I, sure I think is. I've, I've gone through that before and it's, you have to sort of like take a kind of an inventory of what's going on in that moment. Cause you're like, okay, I am writing all the songs or I'm doing all this stuff. Then you got to think like, how much do I need to be doing to feel creatively fulfilled? So is it actually maybe a good thing that you're doing so much? And then you got to think about timelines. Like, okay, if, if they're not able to invest the same time as me, but are they able to invest enough to where like this timeline I have in my head of how things should work out? could still work out but like if not if there's if there's disconnect between those two then yeah it's gonna cause tension oh yeah it'll definitely cause tension i think the the biggest thing at the end of the day with stopwatch is that i like really wanted to be just pursuing music and it's like since since i've like gotten through that part of my life i know like no matter what i i do now it's like i'm gonna have to be doing music like if not as my first job definitely as my second you know quote unquote job always working towards it making a living at it whereas like the other the two guys who aren't currently now playing music now they've gone off you know one of them's married one of them's got like a great life and i know that he's gonna be like playing drums for the rest of his life too um Jake is off in Spain right now. Um, I'm studying. Uh, I think he's doing grad school, at least a semester out in Spain. And sweet. and I th- I think he's making like elect- some like electronic music now because he was really 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 into electronic music. And so I know like everyone in the band is still you know they're gonna be doing the music thing. Um, it was just like at the time it was so hard to like make it work and feel like yeah like we were all on the same page. Yeah, and that that was that was the hardest part. It d- definitely did not feel at that time like we were all on the same page about what we wanted out of it. And that's like I think being in a new band um, with a bunch of other people who are trying to like put out as much content as possible, like mm-hmm. play as many shows as possible, you know, get in front of me- as many people as we possibly can to like you know get our word out there. Um, like being on the same page with like four other dudes about that, uh, you know, it's really hard to do. But it's like it's nice because like 
a bunch of them are writing songs, really, really, really good mm-hmm. songs. And it makes life a lot easier when you're working yeah. with people who are that invested in it. Yeah. See, like I'm constantly trying to find that, like the sweet spot of that, of, you know, like I finally found, I think the lineup that my band's going to be, but even then it's, it's difficult to get everybody here to rehearse at the same time. So I'm doing a lot of like side rehearsals, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Without the, as a full band, we haven't gotten together yet. You know, I've always jammed with Noah and then I've had times where like Spencer and Charlie, the bass and guitar player will come and then we'll jam together. Mm -hmm. But Still haven't been able to get them together full. I just have to kind of trust that it's going to work out and just have patience. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to be patient, dude. Especially when you see like so many of your friends are like already, they already got their album out. They're already like having tours booked and stuff. And you still feel like you're at this infancy stage where everything is still in flux and up in the air and you don't know what how it's going to look. It's just so stressful. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's just like we, we all can relate. I'm sure yeah, you yeah, know because yeah. everybody is there at some point. Mm-hmm. We were we're all playing the same game or something like that. Yeah, but like with so with stopwatch, do you do you think that's like kind of become like naturally become your thing that like that is like that you write the songs for, and then social media is kind of more of the collaborative thing, or do you that's want- that's like. I don't want to say stopwatch is my thing because right now I'm working with an, another great group of dudes. Um, we just recruited a new drummer. Um, okay. uh, we've, we've been writing songs more together uh, and gotcha. more like in the same room. And it's like, I might be bringing a bunch of the ideas to the table, but I don't feel like I'm able to write the song entirely on my own. Gotcha. And I think that that's the biggest thing. Like, I think working with uh, the new group of guys that I am working with in the lineup we have right now, um, we're able to like just play off of each other in a way that the first lineup of Stopwatch didn't didn't have an opportunity to do as much due to like scheduling. Yeah. And due to us like, you know, just having different lives. Whereas yeah. now the guys I'm working with, like no one's in school. Like everyone's just like everyone in the band is just like they're working and then getting right. home at night. So it's like we've got nights off. We've got time to practice. Right. Um and it feels a lot easier to be able to write songs and jam them out and figure out, hey, what are we actually trying to do with this song? Um, like, wh- what's the point? Like, where's it going? Um, it's a lot easier to do that in a group setting than it ever was. And That's so cool. I don't want to say it's like just my thing. Um, an- another aspect of that, too, is that I'm, I don't believe I'm the, the only one uh, writing new songs for the project right now. I know Aust- oh, okay. Austin has like, you know, brought a few new songs to practice that we've been working on. And I'm really I'm really excited to see how those materialize um, and like come into their own so like do you think with completely new people in the band but still being the same thing like where you think there's enough to like tie the elements of the the songs together from like the initial stages with the first lineup and then now do you feel like there's enough similarities to make it feel like a natural progression or what are like the differences it definitely it's definitely a somewhat natural progression um we're still writing with like a little bit of a punk edge in everything mm-hmm. that we're doing. It's a lot of power chords, you know, not that that's the only thing that constitutes right, punk, right, but right. like that's, that's like the music that the main songwriters in the band, like it's like, mm-hmm. it's what we come from. And so even if we're making stuff that, you know, doesn't fall within X genre or it doesn't necessarily reflect exactly what happened on the first EP, right. I think the ethos that the band is like operating under is the same sort of ethos that we have okay. been, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. What are, what are like some of the influences that you feel like most most recently 
with your songwriting? Most recently, um, <laughs> uh, it's a lot of shoegaze and like I don't like grunge is a dirty word. Yeah, grunge is a really dirty word. Nineties fuzz amp rock. Weezer. I'd say a little bit of Weezer. Definitely a little bit of Weezer. Yeah, I think I was listening to Charlie Bliss, their first album. I have not gotten into them yet. Oh yeah, the, so their first album Guppy is like they're very open about heavily Weezer influence. Okay, okay. You said it was Charlie Bliss. Charlie Bliss, yeah. Okay. Guppy is the album, and then their most recent album, Young Enough, is more lush, like power pop, like dream pop type stuff. Not really power pop. Um, still really good, but for like the first record is definitely more punky, more you know. Weezer esque with a really high pitched girl singer. Oh, nice! With good lyrics, she's got great lyrics too. I really like it. very tongue in cheek and just playful but smart. You'll have to send me a link after we get done recording. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. I, I'm going to marry their singer, so <laughs> I already, I already have it all figured out. <laughs> I already got her coming in the mail. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's not it's not going to be an issue. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so you say like shoegaze? What are some like some bands? Well. Shoegaze is like such a broad term. Yeah, that's um, why I asked. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I've been listening to a lot of like MBV lately, um, both like the band and like their third album. Who's or this? Not, not their third album, uh, My Bloody Valentine. Oh, okay. Um, I've been getting really into their like most recent album, the one they put out. I think it was like 2013. It's got the blue cover. Yeah. Uh, and I love just all of the textures on that album, whether it's like the guitars or uh, the random synths and organs that they managed to like throw on that thing. Um, and I'm definitely looking for like those textures a lot more than I am like I guess yeah. the, the the types of songs they're writing. Uh, I'm like really tone hunting a lot <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> to maybe. try to aim for what uh, Kevin Shields managed to produce on that album because it's just fucking glorious. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've I really enjoy like just lush soundscapes more than technical like shredding. You know, like I, I definitely like some bands that are really technical and like really cool riffs and stuff but more than that i i like when a bunch of different tones get blended together and just it sounds huge and varied you know what i mean yeah I, i'd agree with that i mean there's definitely a time and a place and in genres for yeah. like a bunch of technicality you know? yeah if, if you're listening to jazz that doesn't have good technical players uh mm. i'm not sure i want to hear that yeah, jazz that too is. much <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that sounds yeah ooh, yeah you're right yike <laughs> but like when you get into like punk you know you or you know even like post-punk emo stuff like that mm -hmm. you don't have to be technically that great and you can create these big sounding you can write great songs without being great at your instrument technically yeah. i feel like I'd, I'd say that like most of the bands that we hear in like are still very 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 technically proficient they're just like not yeah. ne not necessarily choosing to flash yeah constantly yeah and i think that's probably the biggest difference <laughs> yeah yeah i think like you know there's definitely like you said there's a time and a place in the genre for constantly flashing mm -hmm. it's you know like math like Terra Malos is like oh. some one of those things where might not be the best example, but you know, there's just shred bands. Dragon Force, that's a, that's a <laughs> pure power metal. Yeah, you know, I I think like when I think of a band that could constantly be shredding, but like isn't constantly shredding, Great Death. Like mm. Logan can play whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah, like he you can tell that he grew up on like '80s good hair metal guitar solos. Right, like, right, right. But, and he just chooses most of the time to not be doing that for the sake of the vibe and the aesthetic. And right. Like, that's you know 
I'd like to think that most of the bands I listen to could do stuff like that if they wanted to. Like, I'd like mm-hmm. to think that most of them could like just fucking shred if they really wanted to, but they're holding back because it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, when I write, not that I'm capable of like crazy shredding or anything, but you know, when I try to write a song, it's way different than when I'm like jamming with friends and just trying to improvise leads, mm-hmm. you know, then I'm doing like a lot of like tapping and sliding and weird shit but i'm writing a song i'm trying to get a vibe like you said you know i'm trying to get a feeling a mood trying to set a mood and a lot of times it i find it more enjoyable to play like really thick like interesting sounding chords it feels better to play yeah. them Up, upper extensions are your best friend <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know like i can imagine what that is i don't i don't know oh just like using using anything other than like the the three notes that normally make up a major or minor chord you know you know in emo you hear the major seventh all the time it's it's just spicy major yeah yeah you know that's you know stuff like that yeah i got a whole spice cabinet dude you know i'm I'm busting it all out my favorite thing to do in the studio is to figure out two chords that go together you know, harmonizing two big full chords that use every string on the guitar. You know, like I love that shit. Mm-hmm. It's so much more exciting than doing like harmonizing leads, even, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. I, I just, it just tickles my jimmies, dude. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Yeah. No, I, that's, I've been listening, like I told you, I've been listening to My Bloody Valentine, and that's something they do a lot is like changing mm-hmm. key. They're constantly changing key. And uh, if they're not changing key, most of the chord changes that they do within the key are like really unique. Like yeah, they, they, it's not the same progression that you've heard all the time. Right. Granted, like I write using the same progressions that a you know everyone ever in Western music has right, a right, lot of right. the time too. But the music that I'm finding myself like at least for Stopwatch, uh, like the music that I'm finding myself like gravitating to, and when I'm writing it is the music where it's like not nearly as standard when it comes to the chord progression and it's mm-hmm. way more about having like a more colorful chord progression with like interesting like hops in the melody yeah. versus like a very easy going like this is what you're expecting to happen yeah yeah because that has its place you know but... well, like i in social media i'm writing like much more pop oriented stuff right now at least like oh, yeah, as, i was gonna ask next like what is that yeah so that band it's we're we're doing more pop oriented music than stopwatch would i say that we're a pop band no we're Mm -hmm. definitely not a pop band but i'd say the music we're making is it's a lot of the time trying to be more accessible than like hooks yeah hooks you know yeah just generally hooks yeah the best way you could have put it um and there's a definite psychedelic edge to it. Um, we have uh, a synth and keyboard player uh, who nice. used to be an After Hours Radio. Um, who oh, was, sweet! Yeah, um, and he he completely adds to the psychedelic aesthetic of the band in a way that no one else probably could have, at least in the DIY right. scene. Right. Um, so there's always that tinge on just about everything we're doing. But um, one of the guitarists, uh, I'm I'm going to sing his praises right now. He's he's he could be John Mayer if he wanted to. He's, he's <laughs> nice. just been playing his whole life. Uh, there's not a lick that I've heard that I don't think he could play if he tried. Um, one of those type of guys, just frustratingly good, just frustratingly good. <laughs> and it's, uh, he's a good songwriter too. So it's, he's a whole total package. That's dope. Um, and, uh, the other guitarist has, you know, grew, you can tell he grew up on like sixties blues jammed with the family all the mm-hmm. time and is just a, an incredibly solid rhythm guitarist. Um, nice. so they, 
they bring the psychedelic edge in the sense that they can complement literally every sound that we're aiming for. <laughs> so you guys have three guitarists? Uh, no, I play bass in that band. Oh, you play bass? Okay. A lot of the time. I play bass, and we actually rotate instruments occasionally. Oh, um, cool. There's two drummers, two bassists, and three guitarists. Oh, that's sweet. So um, for some of the songs, um, there's one song on our upcoming EP um, where the guy who usually plays drums is actually singing and playing bass. Um, he plays oh, nice. he, he plays bass on two of the songs, um, and then I I hop over to guitar for that song while the rhythm mm. the rhythm guitarist hops over to the drums. Okay, and so that's like our little rotation. <laughs> us us that group of three guys will just like come through while the two guys that do any of the leads just kind of like stay. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. That's really cool. Like I really want uh to have like a. a just an auxiliary musician in my band that just kind of plays whatever the song dictates. You know, I can't really do anything but play guitar, but like, I mean, I don't want to play bass, but I wish I could play keys and like switch over to play keys and things like that. Yeah, I wish I was proficient at all at the keys. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that is not in my skill set. It's at like all. The, the best instrument to learn. You know, like mm-hmm. if, if you could just pick one and you want to understand music the best, the piano. It's one giant string. Yeah. So if, if, you, if you're going to get the basics down, operating on a piano seems to be the best way to do it. I've been, I've been trying yeah. to play piano more. Like I write a bunch of my songs from piano. Yeah. And I know what you mean. Yeah. Like I, you know, I can't necessarily play what I'm trying to aim for. Right. But like I, you know, I, I, it's a good enough tool to just like be sitting in your room and not have to plug in an amp or yeah. like, you know, get, get a guitar out of a case. You know, it's just right there in yeah. front of you. Yeah. Anything, any keys that you hear on anything I've done so far is MIDI, <laughs> you know, it's like, I didn't actually play it all out, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it's just like, I, I can write stuff with it cause you know, you just, you're just writing a melody and then you're just finding it. Mm-hmm. But a matter when it comes to actually playing it flawlessly, no, yeah. Well, and that's practice. And both of the bands I'm in, I have an incredible keyboard player, so it's like you don't have to worry about it. I I don't personally have to worry about it. You know, I I for my own sake, for my own personal yeah. sake, I'd like to be able to learn how to play the keys like well. But question I was wondering is like anybody who has like multiple projects. So like when you're writing music, do you like? think about which project you're writing for first or do you write something and then you think oh that would go good for this one or go good for that one i guess it depends like i have i don't know how it works for everyone uh the way i I write songs is that like i'll just start hearing it in my head yeah and like oh i have to go find that before it's gone Mm, um and so if i hear clearly delayed reverbed and fuzzed out guitars it's like okay that's a stopwatch song oh gotcha (laughs) whereas like if i hear if I hear something that's obviously pop, like if it's using the four chords, <laughs> yeah, 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 there's a much lower chance that, well, that song will get used, but that that song will end up in stopwatch specifically, you know, if, I, gotcha. if I'm just going to use that band as the witness test. Okay. Um, but I don't know. Uh, I'll go into a song with intentions sometimes and like expectations for what it'll be. And I find that like, if I put expectations on what I'm trying to get out of a song, that's going to tarnish almost anything that I'm going to get yeah. out of it. And so most of the time I don't make the decision, at least I don't try to come to a decision on what project a song is going to be for until I'm well into the process of writing it and gotcha. I've like got most of the lyrical concept down gotcha. because I don't want to tarnish the song while I'm in the process of it. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That's kind of the reason why I'm taking such a long time to to record the record I'm working on is because like if I would have won financially, but like if I would have blocked out like a week or two weeks 
at once to do it, I don't think it would have been nearly as good as like tracking part of it and then listening to it a million times and thinking what's going to be good here and mm-hmm. then and then going back and doing a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know, kind of letting it breathe yeah. rather than having these expectations for it based on the initial writing and then feeling like you need to stick with that. You know, songs are best, I feel like, when they've had a chance to evolve. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I just... When you have more people in the band, it's going to take probably even more time or it's going to need even more room to breathe if everybody's taking their part in writing it. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. Yeah. I think it... See, with your project, you're doing most of the writing just like like here, like on your own, right? Yeah. It's like, well, it it's kind of weird. Like I write the initial songs like by myself kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I write almost all of it, but... I write the main guitar part usually in a session. Like I'll have an idea, then I'll like bring it either record the whole thing or I'll bring it to a drummer. And that is the, the skeleton of it. And then the rest of it, I kind of write, it's kind of maybe not the smartest way to do it, but I, I like to write it in the studio based on just like, all right, I'm here. This is the time I decided that I was going to be here doing this. What, what am I feeling? I've listened to this a million times. I know the songs, like what's Mm going to, what's it going to be? you know and then i tend to just go with like whatever my instincts are to fill out the rest of it that makes sense yeah because i i I think it just feels more natural and i haven't been disappointed yet so i don't know if if that answers your question it it does like like comparatively with a lot of the material that i've worked with like i've just spent hours workshopping it at shows Mm. in in people's basements in people's living rooms and that's like I I'm never happy knowing how a song is going or at least I'll say this I can't say now but when I was like first gigging with stopwatch I definitely altered parts of the way I was writing songs based on the reaction that I was getting from others whether it was oh, just okay. generally the crowd like the, you know the other musicians that were there like yeah. you know I'd, I'd seek feedback whether it was like me literally asking for that feedback or you know like just people coming up and being like, Hey, I liked this song for this reason. Yeah. Um, and you know, okay, I can keep that part, but like what was wrong with the other part? And, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and so you gotta be careful with that. Mm, you gotta be careful reading into it too much. Yeah, exactly. You, you can't, you can't overread. And that's the biggest thing. I, especially when I like was first playing in stopwatch, I overread constantly. Yeah. And like, you know, I think everyone does it to some extent. I'm at a point where I'm still trying to work on it. I'm still yeah. definitely trying to work on it, but, I I'm more confident now in being able to just like write the majority of a song mm-hmm. and be like, this is definitely like what it needs to be, you know? Yeah. Um, like I can say the song laying claim off of the first stopwatch EP. Like that was a song I wrote in about half an hour. Dude. That's sometimes that's the best. And that like at the end of that half an hour, I was like, I know exactly what I want the drums to do here, yep. here, and you know, and like, it just it just all came to me it at once sense. and it just made sense and not all of my songs have been that way most of them have been like oh i've needed to workshop this yeah, more over laborious. and over and over and so it's kind of a tease it, from the universe when they do that it's, <laughs> they just they drop you that nice little yeah. easter egg and then they take it right back away <laughs> yeah yeah it can be very frustrating but um getting completely off track um, doesn't help that I've, I'm sitting like an evil villain with a cat in my lap yeah, right now. Such a cute cat. I know she is. Such a cute cat. Oh, Luca. <laughs> I can say, um, if we're still talking about just the songwriting process and getting from here to there, um, a big difference I've noticed since I've been working with like 
another group of musicians uh, has been like just realizing how differently people approach songwriting. Yeah. Because that's huge. Like I, when I was first learning how to write my own music to like an act, you know, an actual instrument, not just songs in my head, you know, that I wrote crappy lyrics to <laughs> like, um, <laughs> uh, I, I kind of thought, okay, this, this is like the process, right? This is how people do it. Um, and then like, I was completely unaware that as I was doing that, I was altering my entire process, like, oh. <laughs> like month by month by month. Like you're not even keeping this consistent. Like, yeah. like, what, like how can you not be recognizing that other people have a different process than you do? But, um, <laughs> uh, you gotta figure out what works for you, like your process. And then you got to learn how to write for yourself too. Yes. And then find your audience. Yes. I think you don't want to get caught up in the trap. Like it's okay to listen to like people's feedback. You know, that's always a good thing, but I think you don't want to get caught up in writing things that you just because you think that's what people want to hear. Because if aren't we Weezer fans though, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's exactly what he does. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of true. He literally writes via spreadsheet. That's just like, I actually am not like the biggest Weezer fan. Not that I don't like them, but I just like, I don't know the Weezer lore. I can't claim to have listened to every Weezer album. I'm yeah. not going to try to act like I'm a massive Weezer fan, but for me, like Blue Album, it's like it's unimpeachable. Oh yeah, it's just it's just great. Pinkerton has its moments. So, some sometimes uh, he's a little bit of an incel, um, <laughs> which is like kind of creepy. A little bit of an incel. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to quote any of his lyrics uh, from that album. But it's like, hilarious. like I went and listened to the White Album that they dropped. I think in like 2016. Yeah, it's like. It was like a take on the more modern rock for the most part, but like it was really, really good. And like it has the song LA Girls, which is like one of their better songs. Um, so I, I think Weezer's really fun and I, I definitely see why they get some of the shit they do. But like you also yeah. have to like look at Weezer and realize that Rivers Cuomo is just like he's writing for that. That is exactly what he wants to be doing is just pop and pop. Yeah. And with pop fuzz. and pop. Yeah. Well, it's like pop is pop at the end of the day. Like yeah. that you can put it in a different aesthetic on it, you know, and put that nice little pre pre word in the genre tag if you want. But at the end of the day, pop is pop. Yeah. I think like my point is more like if say, if you want to write something that's like just a completely different style, like if someone who's maybe like, they stumbled upon this DIY heavily punk emo scene, but, and they like it and they like the people and then they get caught up in the social aspect of it and see what's popular. And then they want to be popular because these are the people they know, mm -hmm. but the music they write doesn't fit with those people at all. Then they're like, Oh, well, what am I supposed to do? It's like, you have to find your audience. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? I mean, I, I won't try to act like I wasn't directly influenced by like the bands that I liked the most in like our scene. Like I, I yeah. can definitely say that I was like, it, it's kind of hard not to be when you're just hearing good bands. Well, like, if it, but, you know, if you like that music and you feel like that feels true to what you would write, then that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. But if you're in a situation where you're trying to write like metal or something, or, you know, something just completely like, like a jam band or something, but yeah. you're trying to play it to people that are coming to these emo shows, you're not doing yourself any favors. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Not that I see like very many examples of that, but sometimes I just hear people saying like, uh, the people in this scene only want to hear this one thing. I'm like, well, go find the other ones. You know, there's like successful bands in literally like any genre you can think of. Go find your audience. Right. It it does make you wonder, like, just how many basement scenes are out there that we don't even know about. 
yeah i want like i feel like that's the thing i i the i think the punk the emo it, the that might be one of the bigger basement scenes because it just always kind of has been mm-hmm. but that's a you know i've wondered that like other people having other like metal houses there def- definitely are I'd yeah, say like so. That's all they do. I mean, like, uh, there's there's going to be different venues for different types of genres. I mean, yeah. The big thing that I noticed in like at least the Ipsy scene, because that's the the scene I know the best, is that there does seem to be a good amount of like genre mashing. And it's yeah. like while it is predominantly like punk and emo, like it's it's just the what the Midwest is kind of doing right now, and especially yeah. like Michigan is a, just it's one of the big states where that's happening oh, right yeah. now. But it, there's a lot of like mixed band bills that, at least in my opinion, seem to go pretty well. Yeah, I think like, you know, you're the type that has more of an open mind to begin with about like the type of things that you like to listen to. I like having mixed bills, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But there's definitely like a point where some of the mixed bills are a little too mixed. Like, yeah. Like they're, they're just like genres that, you know, the people coming for one won't stick around for the other. Yeah. Or just and, the vibe from set to set can be like really like uncomfortable almost yeah I, i'll say that yeah i haven't experienced that very much but there's been a couple times where i'm like oh this you feel bad for the performer because it's just like oh this is just not their scene yeah. you know this isn't yeah. being appreciated the way it should be yeah the way it like deserves to be by people who would actually like it mm-hmm. but, I agree with that. so there must have been a reason that you hit me up was there things that you wanted to promote in general so there's i yeah there's there's a couple of things um I remember I, you said it, but I'm going to let you say it on the air. Yeah. <laughs> what, what? You're telling me we talked before we pressed record? That's crazy. I just looked outside and Mark's just hiding in the bushes. I'm like, come on in. So uh, I don't know when this is going to go up, but... Uh, uh, next week sometime, probably. Yeah. So we will have just released um, a new single. It's called Stop. Uh, and by we, I mean the band Stopwatch oh, okay. um, is who I'm here to represent tonight partially. But... Um, the band Stopwatch is releasing a single called Stop. Um, it is very, I wouldn't say very different, but it's a bit different from anything on the first EP. It's a little bit of a stylistic shift. That's cool. Um, and it's something that, it was the first song that like I wrote after the first lineup stopped playing together uh, that I was like, okay, wow, this is like this is a song that I think I'm, I want people to hear. Um, gotcha. And so we recorded a handful of songs a few months ago. We're going to be recording more songs. Uh, the plan is to eventually release an album. You know, yeah. don't worry, guys. My, my, maybe, maybe this year. My, you know, you know. Right. But uh, you know, there will there will be an eventual stopwatch LP. Um, and I might might release more music before then. But for now, I I wanted to put out at least one song to like for yeah. for the handful of people who have managed to care. Right. Um. Like like hey like I'm I'm still here. I'm still making music. Yeah, and also like every release is also like a a new fresh start too. Like even if you don't have the type of, uh, that's the cool thing about music. Like even if you don't have the type of following yet that you want, you can always be working towards it. And and someone is always going to hear that newest thing. And that's going to be the first thing they heard from you. Yeah. I, my, my biggest thing is like, I'm just like bewildered that anyone even cares. Like I get it. I'm bewildered. I'm bewildered that anyone wants to listen to anything I do. And it's, it's, I, I, I'll use this term without a religious connotation, but it's a blessing. Um, yeah, it's it really it really is a blessing that like anyone is connecting with any of the art I make. Yeah, and so I, for the people who like 
do pay attention it's like i i almost feel like i owe them like like you liked Mm -hmm. what i did and like i want to keep giving you more because you might like more of it yeah so that's that's the biggest thing with releasing music for me is that like it's not like an obligation first but it does feel nice to like to think that there might be someone out there who could actually listen to it and like get something from it yeah i think the word i stumble upon a lot is gratitude i just feel like so grateful that one out of all the things like all the skill sets I could have been, you know, just kind of born with or endowed with, I get to make music. Music was the thing that I got good at over all other things. And that's allowed me to make so many connections and connect with myself and other people in a way that's just like, I don't feel responsible for it. That's why I just feel grateful to Mm -hmm. like whatever conspired to make all this happen I just super grateful. And then the fact that people listen to this shit and like it, you know, it helps the bands that come on. Like, I just, like you said, anybody that cares at all and just like wants to, you know, willingly consume anything that you create, it's just like, wow. It's really, really nice to know that anyone's going to be listening. Yeah. It's definitely like it, it makes it more than a hobby. It makes it really addicting. And it really make that's the thing that makes you above all for me anyways. That's what makes me want to make it my job is the, the connections that mm-hmm. you make with people and the connections, you know, with yourself, like it's your job to explore your feelings and like figure out what the hell makes you tick. And like, how am I yeah. going to express my feelings through like sounds? That's your job. I mean, it's work, but like, damn, it's can't think of anything more fulfilling for me personally. I'd I mean, agree with that. It might be selfish in a way, but I, I think you have to be serving yourself at least a little bit to yeah. like be getting by in the world in general. Mm-hmm. And I think if you can find a way to make others feel good while making yourself feel good, it's probably the best way to be doing it. Yeah. I'm like my biggest thing, like one of my biggest issues I think is that I have so much self doubt and anxiety that I'm to me, it's like, seems impossible that that could actually happen you know at every step of the way when things start going well i'm like something has to go wrong you're always something has to you're always waiting for the the one wrong move yeah yeah yeah. i'm just and you know like i'll be listening back to mixes i'm just like i was excited about this but this isn't good enough well you're always going to be like the most excited for the thing the first time you're doing it it's like that first time you hear your favorite record it's like it's right it's always going to feel that way that one time and it's never going to feel that way again you know yeah no, I can empathize with that. You ever find that like when you've been sitting with your own music for after a certain while, like you don't even know how good it is. Like you don't know if it's good or bad just because like you've heard it so many times that you don't even like know what to feel about it anymore. Cause I experienced that. What I can like, I've never been able to like assess the, the goodness of my own music. It's, hard. it's like, I, there's, there's, you know, there's certain objective things like, oh, I played that note wrong, like, mm-hmm. like that, that good or bad. But when it comes to like, I don't know how I think other people will react to it. Like, I've, I've never just been able to be like, okay, like they're gonna like this one, yeah, yeah. Like, there because you're never, you never know. Like, yeah. even if, even if you get a bunch of good feedback from a bunch of people and they tell you like, oh, dude, this song, this song's amazing, right? Like, you never know if that's only gonna work well in that sample group, and you mm-hmm. also never know how many people are just yes manning you when you. We're ask gonna them like for the advice. other stuff that you weren't paying enough attention to because people didn't maybe single it out to say they liked it. Yeah. you know that mm-hmm. might have more widespread appeal it's it's yeah. so hard like i yeah i don't know what i can't remember what i was gonna say but it's just like it's, it's so difficult like the, oh this is what i was gonna say the i found that the only thing i can truly rely on 
in order to like you know feel good about it is how does it make me feel so the if it i write the song and i record it and i just make it so that it makes me feel as good as possible when i listen to it and it makes me feel the most catharsis or whatever because mm-hmm. then at the end of the day if whether or not people respond to it it's like it's what i wanted to be it's what yeah. I, exactly what i want it to be and so that's just me and i'm not making any compromises i'd agree for that. anybody else and then if anybody likes it it's just bonus mm-hmm. you know like but even that is hard you know you're constantly you got the voice in the back in your head like yeah well, people are gonna, like, people are really gonna <laughs> like this and then you can't connect <laughs> with your own art yeah. the way you should because yeah. you're worried about how it's gonna be yeah it's yeah. a fucking nightmare yeah i mean you gotta you gotta make yourself happy with your art first and foremost yeah like you if you're not happy with your own art like how could you expect anyone else to be yeah same same goes for just like your band in general like in on a personal side of things i find that when you're starting out you know people aren't gonna care about your band and if they don't care about you in some way like even if that's just like your acquaintances they know you on a personal level Mm -hmm. people are more likely to listen to your band i'd say so even if you're fucking amazing like no one's it's so hard i feel like to get people to listen to something if if they're all complete strangers like you know you you go on our emo and like you see people posting their bands like and i scroll past them all the time and i'm like i just don't care I don't know you you might be great i might be passing on the next radiohead but i don't care you, yeah, you have to have an impetus to click on something and the closer you are to it the more likely you are to be like affiliated with it in any way yeah because there's so much out there mm-hmm. it's like you got to pick somehow yeah and a lot of it's really good yeah a lot of it's really good there's a, a bunch of good music that like no one outside of like one town is ever gonna hear right i mean in, in the age of the internet you know like you know more than just one town but like a, a local town's population's worth of people is ever gonna hear you know yeah no i completely get that even if like a couple strag- scragglers from spotify over in like ireland or something <laughs> just, just listen to this podcast a random a random lithuanian bot clicked yeah and clicked on my song thank you random lithuanian bot yeah <laughs> how do that's like, i'm always wondering how do these uh, how do people's music get to so many countries where it's like how the fuck is your music you, playing and you know what i mean you have to assume that there's random like click bots just yeah. going places on the internet like yeah like doing whatever you know the algorithm tells them to and sometimes that just happens to be a spotify or yeah, spotify <laughs> play or like you know a youtube view or something like that so i'm gonna can, tell myself though that there's actually someone in ireland who's listened to this podcast that <laughs> it's, it's, it's probably a, ro- a robot who knows? Maybe maybe there's like one Irish DIY guy that, or girl or non-binary friend who yeah. is just out there feeling themselves and really likes to hear your voice. Message me if you are out there in another <laughs> country that's not Canada. <laughs> Canada's the US, basically. I you know it's a hot take. No, I know. I'm just. I around. mean, Michigan's almost Canada, but yeah, it doesn't feel foreign when I go to Canada. Is what I mean. You know, they're I mean, nicer, and that's the thing that feels foreign, I guess. But maybe if you got to Saskatchewan, it would start to feel foreign. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, if you go to the UP, it starts to feel foreign. Right. The yeah. fur- the farther north you go, the farther south you get. Am I right, feller? <laughs> <laughs> I had one Canadian band on here, uh, Tijuana Taxi, from Toronto. So they they had a decent amount of listens on their episode. So nice. I gotta hope that at least one person who only who went to the podcast because they knew that band. At least one person in Canada, hopefully, just continue, stuck around. Just and continues, continues to, to stream, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, you know. You'd think so. Yeah. Like, there's, uh, you know, I interviewed this guy, Nick, from Oregon, who kind of found the podcast 
from an episode I did with the R emo people. And then he went back and listened to all the episodes and just listened. I'm like, what fucking crazy. What a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, back to what you're saying. I feel like I owe him something. I feel like he's doing me a favor. Right. You know, it's like, it's, it's hard for me to feel like I'm doing something that people, that's like, I, it's hard for me to feel like I'm providing a service. You know what I mean? I feel like the people who listen are providing me the service. And I feel like I'm just putting in this work so that people do these things for me. It's like, I owe them. So I'm doing like, kind of like you said, I'm doing, I'm recording these episodes because I owe it to them. You know, I don't feel like it's a weird thing. Cause that's not really how it is. No, I feel like you're, you're just providing people with something they like and you're having a good time doing it. It's mutually beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. Like on paper, I recognize that it's just like, I, somehow I can't make myself really feel that, you know, it, it, I think maybe that's what keeps me going, I guess, is feeling a sense of obligation that I've created in my head. I but, can respect that. But if I lost that, I feel like I might stop doing it. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. I, all I know is it's working. However, it is. It's big, big, wheel, big wheel keeps on turning. Yeah. The wheel in the sky. <laughs> yeah. It's not the, it's not the like, most like mentally healthy way to approach, I think, but it's also not the least healthy way. So, yeah. you know, at least I look at it positively, but I'm like, oh God, if I don't, if I go a couple of weeks without releasing an episode, I feel like, oh, everyone thinks I'm a fraud, you know? <laughs> <laughs> there I go. Yeah. <laughs> but now we're coming up on 50 now. No, it's, it seems like you really enjoy doing this from the stuff I've heard. I can't, I'm not going to claim I've heard every episode. I'm it's not, good, I haven't heard dude. every episode, but I, I listened to the one with Andrea Doria recently and that was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it's fun. Now that I've been doing it for a little bit longer, I've gotten to know a lot more bands. So there's more frequently I'll have bands on that I know already and it's kind of fun to do that but I also enjoy getting to I really enjoy the episodes where like I just met these people walking through my door and then we have a connection and I find myself wow I'm really having a good time you yeah. know it's those, like you get like a different vibe out of those podcasts yeah yeah and there's definitely been you know clear examples of that that I remember like Pat Ray, you know, I never really talked to him that much other than like a few messages trying to help get a show booked on the internet. And then when we actually talked, we just bits for an hour and a half, you know, or like anti ghost, we, we just, we just vibed, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's clear. There's, there's obviously more, but you know, for me, I've been in all of the episodes. So I, I, I can tell you, like, it's not always like that. You're, you're the one consistency. Yeah. Yeah. And there are definitely people out there who have heard way more of the podcast than I have, but I was there for all of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't listen to a lot of them, honestly, but you're not, you're not boosting your own streams. No, I'm lazy. <laughs> I don't, I don't even really edit that much. I've said that a million times, but I wanted to like, we touched on in the beginning, like performance, like anxiety and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like when you think about, the ideal performance like the, the like style of performance like is there anybody that comes to mind like from bands you like the way like the way they perform like on stage you know admittedly i got into the dead last year a little bit Ooh. and i respect the way they play not necessarily like i don't necessarily love their music the most out of all mm-hmm. music i've heard but the type of energy they brought to the stage you could tell they were all kind of like together the entire yeah. time and that was something I really respected. Word. And at, le- at least I I like that in bands that know how to jam together. Like I in if I'm to talk about Stopwatch, like it's not necessarily a band where 
you know, like I would want to just be jamming all the time and have like the deads type of energy on stage. But when I when I look for bands that I really appreciate as live players and live musicians, yeah, I'd have to say a band that can bring that sort of energy where you can tell the players are more just like talking to each other than like trying to play parts. Yeah, that's that's the biggest that's the biggest thing I'm looking for out of a live performance. Okay, so like I see. A lot of people that are just like going all out going crazy like jumping around and shit and sometimes i feel like i want to do that and then other t- times i just feel like that's just not me but i'm trying to force it i mean you you got to fit the song like i yeah like i like if you understand music in southeast michigan you've seen dog leg live yeah and you see the type of energy that they bring to the stage and it makes sense for what they're doing it makes so much sense for what they're doing but if i'm gonna go see like a shoegaze band and they're jumping all over the place while you yeah. know using their tremolo bars. Like I, that might not be the right thing to be doing. Right, in that moment. right. So it, it's context, I guess. I, yeah, like I guess, like for me, like, I don't even know what to do. I just stand there and close my eyes most of the time, you know. But like when I do, kind of let loose and really get into it and move around at the parts that feels right. It feels really good, but it also can feel really uncomfortable. Like, uh, am I? Is this weird? Like, am I forcing this? You yeah, know? I, I can say that. Like, when I started performing, like, Stopwatch was the only band I'd ever performed in ever. Mm-hmm. Um, like when I first started performing, I was forcing it a lot of the time, and I was like overthinking my stage presence constantly. And I was yeah. like, well, what do I have to do next? And then right. when I started focusing on just like singing the parts I needed to, and then getting to only play guitar in the parts I needed to, um, and not thinking about the dance move I was going to be doing. While I'm doing <laughs> right, them, right, right. The the dance move ended up just happening on its own, um, or right. at least is has been starting to more. Um, and yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, the that's like the most I can say on it is just like allowing yourself to be yourself on stage and not you know pushing yourself too hard on stage mm-hmm. when unnecessary has at least for me given me the best results. Yeah, it's a work in progress, dude. Yeah, it's, so. <laughs> it's a work in progress. I, For me, I mean. I wholeheartedly agree. For like all of us DIY musicians, like everyone can improve. Like even the best bands that you're seeing, like in our scene right now, like like they, they I'm sure that they all think they could improve too. Oh, you know? yeah. Like, if, if you don't think that, you're dead. Yeah, you're not going to move forward at all. Yeah. I mean, good luck playing the, the same set for the next 40 years. Yeah, you know exactly. What I mean? Exactly. If you, <laughs> if you don't think you can improve, like that, it's just like that, it, completely like defies the part of you that makes you want to be a musician in the first place yeah you should be constantly seeking to evolve yeah what's the point otherwise or you're constantly trying to impress yourself and like and like give yourself that wow feeling that you got when you first learned you could play a song you mm-hmm. know but uh i think we're kind of we're getting pretty close we've got about an hour we've got was about there, an hour yeah was, right. was there anything like uh in particular else that you like had on your mind that you wanted to talk about or I'll give you a chance to like plug the socials and stuff. Normally I could go a little bit longer, but I just have to like get some work done. And stuff no, before I'm, then, I'm, you're absolutely fine. My guy. Um, I mean, I can, I can plug our socials. You know, I'm, I'm in a band called stopwatch. We're on the social medias. Uh, if we're on the ones that use at, uh, it's stop X watch. Gotcha. And, uh, I'm also in a band called Social Meteor. You can find us as Social Meteor Music on all of those platforms. What he said. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I mean, I'd, if we want to double down on like the gratitude thing, yeah, that's that's probably my biggest takeaway from this podcast because I can say that 
when I first got into the music scene, I was really bad at expressing gratitude. Mm-hmm. And that's like part of me taking some time off from it has definitely been like seeking better ways to do that. Yeah. And seeking better ways to like, you know, just be a less shitty person in DIY. <laughs> yeah. Because like I I can remember very, very ironically, like pointing out like other people who were really shitty in DIY mm-hmm. while I was simultaneously being really <laughs> shitty in DIY. Right, right, so, right. Yeah. I I think when you brought up the word gratitude, that kind of summed it up about as well as I could have. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, good place to end because speaking of gratitude, thanks for if you listened this far into the podcast or any podcast or a second of it at all. Thank you. I mean it. I mean it. I mean it. I mean it. I love you. Oh, well, not all of you. Because I don't know all of you. I'm sure I wouldn't not mesh the, well with all of you not in a romantic spot. way. <laughs> but, you know, let's just say that, you know, there's potential. All right. Thanks, guys. And here is a song called Redemption by Stopwatch. Yeah.